Welcome everybody to the Troy First Assembly of God podcast. We created this podcast to share our weekly messages from the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here. We go over there to Weenie Hut Jr. Actually, they tell you to go to Super Weenie Hut Jr. And he doesn't want to go to Weenie Hut Jr. So he tries everything. He tries fake wigs. He tries impersonating a tattoo on the strong guy's arm. And he tries anything to get it. Some of y'all are looking at me like a cow looks at a new game. <laughs> I can tell some of y'all ain't got no Spongebob experience. So I, I made a clip. It's not the whole episode. It's just like a minute and a half, but it's enough to let you see. Guys, here, I just want you to get the Spongebob of it first. Yes. Go ahead and play that clip. Oh, no. <laughs> What's everyone waiting in line for? It'd be the line to get into the salty spittoon. The roughest, toughest sail across. And the beach goes up to the seven seas. Only the baddest of the bad can get in. You need to have muscles. You need to have muscles on your muscles. You need to have muscles on your eyeballs. Go ahead. Welcome to the Salty Spittoon. How tough are you? How tough am I? How tough am I? I had a bowl of nails for breakfast this morning. Yeah, so? Without any milk. Uh, right this way. Sorry to keep you waiting. <laughs> Welcome to the Salty Spittoon. How tough are you? How tough am I? <laughs> wow. Spongebob can't get in because of what he is. 
Not what he does, what he is. He is not helping us. Now, you get all the way to the very end of the episode. Y'all remember how it ends, right? Yes. Okay, show them how it ends. They sent him to Weenie Hut General for a hospital. <laughs> Guys, the point is, is SpongeBob, no matter how hard he tries, no matter how he dresses it up, he can't escape the reality of who he is. Which brings us to the Bible story for today. An Ethiopian eunuch traveling from Jerusalem to Gaza in today's message. So let's pick it up around Acts 8, verse 26. Now get it. Philip is coming from a little revival. I mean, God is just broken out in Samaria. Now, this is important, guys. Y'all know, Jews don't have anything to do with Samaritans. They're half-breeds. They're beneath us. We don't know. They're not God's people. We're God's chosen people. But see, Jesus ascends and says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, right there, Samaria, then to the othermost parts of the earth. So Jesus said the message is going to reach to Samaria. Well, see, Jews don't have anything to do with Samaritans, but evidently God ain't got no problem with Samaritans because God saves a bunch of them, and then right on top of that fills a bunch of them with the Holy Spirit, just like the disciples. And Philip's standing there for it. And so Philip comes off this, see, reaching out to a set of people who nobody would accept. Now, look, we're, he's coming straight off of this. And as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Guys, Gaza's at the very bottom of Israel. In case y'all are watching the news, it's still there. <laughs> Gaza's right on the border. And Gaza has always been a disputed town. The Philistines came over the ocean, attacked Egypt, and got beat thousands of years earlier and retreated upward into Israel, and Gaza was where they stopped. So it was a Philistine city for a long time. Then it's Jewish, then it's Philistine, so it's mixed, it's half-breeds. And God tells Philip, you got to go down toward Gaza, and there he meets a heathen, not a Jew, not even a Samaritan, not even a half-breed, a heathen. He meets the treasurer, not to hang him up, He's, a, he's an important guy, a wealthy guy. The treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopia. Now the eunuch had traveled all the way to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. So get it, Philip's told by God, head south on this road. You're going to meet a court official very high in the administration of Candace, the queen, treasurer in charge of all the money in the treasury. But the Bible tells us this guy had traveled from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship. He's not a Jew, but he is a God seeker. He is seeking a relationship with Jehovah God, our God. And so he makes, now put this in, there's some of this that you got to understand the story to get the good. So go with me. I told you it was going to be this kind of a lesson, but it's so cool. 
1,600 miles. No, no motorized vehicle. Bible says he was in a chariot. Now that could have been pulled by animals or it could have been pulled by people. Like a rickshaw, like, a, like one of those oriental rickshaws. It could have been people pulling, but this is a man of some authority. And he has traveled 1,600 miles to get to Jerusalem to worship. Why is that important, Pastor? Because the Bible says he was a eunuch. Now, I don't mean to be indelicate. I understand that there are children in the room. But you, you need to understand, a eunuch is a man that has been castrated. A man that has had part of himself removed. And the reason they did this, especially in the court of a king who had a harem or a queen, is you wanted to make sure this guy was no threat to the women. And so they would castrate these men and make them eunuchs. And, and that, would, that would mean he could be around women, no testosterone flowing in his body at all. So he's a eunuch, and he makes it all the way to Jerusalem going to worship. But get it, guys. Because he's a eunuch, he gets turned away at the door. No, not at the door, at the outer court door. The Bible says that he couldn't even get into the outer court. Now get this. The temple had this big open area just behind a wall called the outer court. Gentiles could come in there and they could, they could give an offering, they could sing, they could, but you don't even get teaching in the outer court. No, that's the outer court of the temple. Then there's the inner court. Then there's the holy place. Then there's the holy of holies where only one priest goes one time a year. Eunuch couldn't even get into that outer court door. So you tell me, how would you feel traveling 1,600 miles to get to the door of the outer, I mean, just the outer area, and be turned back? Look what the book of Deuteronomy says. I think I'm in, in, into the Deuteronomy. Oh, no. Yeah, we, well, I'll get there. Yeah. The Bible says this is a story about outcasts. And frame it this way, guys. The whole eighth chapter is first we're reaching out to Samaritans. Well, y'all remember, the woman at the well was a Samaritan woman. And when Jesus sits down, obviously a Jewish rabbi, sits down on the side of the well and asks her, would you give me some water? Look what she says to him. Look at the scripture. The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, how is it that you, though you are a Jew, are asking me for a drink? Though I'm a Samaritan woman. And look what the Apostle John tells us. This is in the Bible. This is not my addition. Jews don't associate with Samaritans. They're outcasts. We don't have anything to do with y'all. You're half-breeds. And if you read the story of the woman at the well, some of y'all have been in church long enough to have heard this story. You know what the next thing the woman says is? Y'all all say we don't do it right. You say we worship on the wrong mountain and we worship the wrong way and y'all got it right over here in Jerusalem and y'all's way is the right way. Guys, this is church pushing somebody away. This is you're not our kind of people. And what's crazy is God, once Jesus ascends, these people receive the word with gladness. Every one of them gets saved. And then God pours out the Holy Spirit. They start speaking in tongues just like the disciples did. In fact, when Peter and John make it back to the home church in Jerusalem and say, y'all, I don't know what to tell you. These Samaritans, they've become Christians. And, and the home church in Jerusalem says, 
they can't become Christians. They're not Jews. They can't, they, they can't have a Jewish Messiah. They're not our people. And the Apostle Peter says, what you want me to do? They got filled with the Holy Spirit just like we did. What you want to say about that? So he come right off this into, I need you to go down there, Philip. There's a guy on the road that's a eunuch. And he has just come from having the door slammed in his face. Why? Look at what it says in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 23.1. This is what the Jewish law says. No one who is emasculated, no one who has been made a unit, or has his male organ cut off may enter the assembly. They would have seen well, by his clothing, by his stature, by his, that he was a eunuch in a queen's court. And they would have stopped him at the door, regardless of the 1,600-mile journey. Now, guys, here, Americans draw the lines at race many times. Stupidly, but we do. But this guy is the furthest thing from a Jerusalem Jew you can get. He's Ethiopian. Now, there's two schools of thought as to what this word Ethiopian means. It either means he comes from a specific region, or it might be the original use of the term Ethiopian. Because if you translate the word Ethiopian, it means burned face. He's black. He's obviously black. He is from south of Egypt into Africa. And he's black. And he's a eunuch. And he's not a Jew. And he's not circumcised. There's no way you're getting in here. So he travels 1,600 miles. Why? To worship. The Bible says he was on his way to Jerusalem to worship. And so he is now headed home. Now, I don't know about y'all. I don't think anybody here drove over 100 miles to get here this morning. But I want you to feel what this story would feel like. Get it, guys. What if, when you arrived at church, it was, Tony, you can come on in. Hey, Janet, good to see you. Come on in. Betty, we're glad to have you. Ron and Betty, y'all gonna have to turn around and go home. We don't, not your kind. Not y'all. It happened in front of people. It happened publicly. And it surely happened. He was not allowed in. Now, I don't know about y'all. But if I didn't take a trip of 1,600 miles, if I took a trip of six miles, and you turned me away at the door saying I ain't your kind of people, you know what I would have been? Done. I'd be done. And guys, I am not talking about a situation that happened just 2,000 years ago. 1973, my mother was very active in the Episcopal Church. My mother was the primary youth sponsor for our Episcopal Church. I'm 10 years old. My mom is, is a big worker. My mom is the one that made the food for the Sunday night meetings. My mom is the one that went with a couple other parents and took all the youth group on a camping trip to the Escatawpa River overnight. My mom, right up to the point that somebody in the church found out she was divorced didn't matter to them that the reason my mom was divorced was because she had gone to that church's priest for marriage counsel with her then husband who in the middle of a counseling appointment 
backhanded her and slapped her in the floor. I talked to the priest. I know this happened. And the priest told my mother, I believe this marriage is over. But somebody found out she was divorced. And they invited my mother out. They explained to her that she probably didn't need to be influencing children. And that she really, you know, you, you really not going to be welcome coming here to church. And before you think, well, that's back in 1973. Let me tell you a story about somebody in, 19, in, in 2020. Because there's a cashier at a store in town who I've been working on for a year and a half. I mean, y'all know me. I'll talk to anybody. And I'm kind of hell fellow well met. That's what my mother-in-law calls me. I'm up. I'm always sunny. I just, hey, what's going on? So I've been working on this lady for a year and a half. Why don't you come hear me preach? I ain't like other preachers. You can tell by the way I talk. I ain't gonna be like other preachers. Come on, come to the church I go to. Well, after a year and a half, she finally told me, she said, there's little to no chance you'll ever see me at the church. And I said, why not? She said, well, there's no way in the world I'm gonna get my husband to set foot in the church. See, my husband had his wife leave him and my husband died, and so we got married. And so after a bit, he decided to go back to the church of his childhood, and we went as a couple, right up to the point, so we sat about fourth row in, right up to the point that somebody in the church found out we were divorced and remarried. And at that point, we were approached by some of the leadership, and they asked us, if you want to continue coming Y'all can come, but please, we're just asking that you sit on the back row. And when we have communion, please don't make us all uncomfortable by trying to take it. We won't do it. That's 2023. That's Troy, Missouri. They went and sat on the back row for four weeks till her husband finally said, I've had enough of this. I'm done. Now, guys, if I told you the name of the store, you, some of you might know the lady. But she's very pleasant. She's very up. She's sunny. And she ain't going to tell you that story until you get to know her a little bit. But hear me say, what I'm preaching about this morning is not a, a New Testament story about somebody who felt outcast. I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the way people feel. And I'm talking about the way church can make people feel. Dear God, outcasts. And see, to go that distance and want to just go in and worship and be turned away at the door. Now you see why I showed you SpongeBob. See, you, you get it. You're not, not you. You're not allowed. You can't even go in the... Think about it, guys. Traveling for 1,600 miles thinking, all I want to do is get to that place where your name is hallowed and I want to worship to be turned away at the door. So, if you're being baptized, please go get changed now. You'll, you'll have to listen to this online because it is a killer message. I'm just telling you, it's a great message. For those of you not being baptized, please hang with me and don't mind the people behind the curtain because the story's fixing to get really good. Jesus changes everything. Well, Pastor Jesus up in heaven, how's he going to change everything? Guys, Jesus is moving through time to change everything in this story. Jesus changed everything in this story 400 years before the story happened. 
I'm going to tell you, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. In the book of Isaiah, now all the Jews believe in the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, by the time you get to chapter 53-ish, you are talking about the Messiah. It is all about the Messiah. They didn't know what his name was going to be, but we know it was Jesus. But Isaiah in the 50s and 60s, those chapters, are all about the Messiah coming. And so get it, guys. Now I'm going to read you something out of Isaiah 56. And I want you to see what God wrote into his word 400 years earlier. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will separate me from his people. So if you're a foreigner, don't say God's going to make this distinction. He doesn't. And look at this. I just love it. Nor let the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. You know what a dry tree is? Unproductive. Unfruitful. Don't let the foreigner who wants to come and worship me, who wants to join himself to the Lord, don't let that guy say, God's going to keep me out. And Lord, don't let the eunuch say, I am an unproductive, unfruitful, dry tree. Look at this. This is what the Lord says to the eunuch. Now, guys, eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, and hold firmly to my covenant. Get it, guys. He is not talking about the Old Testament law. This is all a messianic part of Scripture. He's talking about the New Covenant. To the eunuchs that come in by way of the New Covenant, to them I will give in my house and within my walls a lasting place, a memorial, and a name, oh my gosh, Better than Jews. Better than born sons and daughters. Think how this would impact you if you were a eunuch. Especially if you were a eunuch that had been turned away. I'm going to give them a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name which nobody will ever wipe out. Not be eliminated. Also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to attend to his services, to love his command, to to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath so it's not profaning, who holds firmly to my covenant, this new covenant, even those I'll bring to my holy mountain, and I'll make them not just feel included, I'm going to make them joyful in my house of prayer. And then look how he ends it up. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the people, for everybody. God, 400 years before, in the prophet Isaiah, throws the doors open. And that's the scripture Jesus uses when he drives out the Jewish money changers who were in the temple. My house will be called. He is calling to mind this scripture. And it's about foreigners and outcasts and unaccepted people are now going to be given a place of their own. And get it, guys. God is not opening some back door and letting you in. Because there's a difference between being allowed to come and being planned for and invited. Amen? Amen. Have you ever been allowed to come? I tell you, we're having this great get together. And I really want Shannon, I want you there. Rebecca, I want you there. Amanda, I want you there too. We are going to have a kick of a time. Oh, hey, bro. Yeah, you can come to the Do you see how that feels? 
That is being allowed in, but it's not invited. It's not planned for. I don't have a real a love for it. I want you to come. But see, guys, 400 years before the eunuch ever got there, God wrote it into his word. In the book of Isaiah, I got a place for you. I got a plan for you. I got a, y'all, I want you. It's not that I will take you. It's I want you. Oh, my gosh, guys, this story just gets better and better. Jesus quotes the same passage when he's mad throwing people out. And get it, guys. I mean, from the very beginning, God wanted the doors thrown open. Who's the first Jew? Abraham. Yes, Abraham. First Jew, first one circumcised, the first of all of it. What did God say when he gave Abraham the original covenant? I mean, the very first words out of his mouth. Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Through you. All the families of the earth will be blessed. You want to know the actual word there that's in Hebrew and Greek? Through you, all ethnicities will be blessed. Take that, racists. It is, the word there is ethnicities. Through you, every family, every tribe of the earth will be blessed. And y'all, anybody here know the Christmas story? What did the angel tell the shepherds? I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, not just Jews, all people. God has been consistent all the way through. He planned for all of us. So get it, guys. Jesus reaching this one guy is no coincidence. There's nothing left to chance in this. Jump back into the story of, of Acts. There was an Ethiopian unit. We already read this. Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He's a high money up. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, sitting in his chariot, holy Moses. He's been turned away at the door, but he still is seeking after God himself. Can't get him to the temple. Can't even get him out of court. But he's still reading the only scripture he has. And as it turns out, the place he was reading was Isaiah. He's reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, for those of you that think, boy, that's, that's some kind of great coincidence, read the book of Esther, please. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. He is reading Isaiah. And you know what's, what's really funny? Let me, let me go over here and ratchet this up on you. The guy traveled 1,600 miles to Jerusalem just so he could go to worship. Turned away, couldn't get in the door. Now he's headed back, excluded, outcast, rejected. But deep inside, he hasn't heard, given up on God, even though he's been hurt by people. Now, bring this to 2023. Anybody in this room, you ever been church hurt? You ever felt judged by the people who were supposed to be loving and accepting? This guy was hoping to be close to God, but he's been done wrong, church hurt. And he picks up the only Bible he has, and some of the Old Testament starts reading in Isaiah 53, the very place that talks about the crucifixion. Look at what it says. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go walk beside that carriage. Philip runs on over and he hears the guy's reading out loud. By the way, most people up until around the year 1100, people believed that it was the word of God. You did not read it silently in your head. I don't know if y'all know that or not. I didn't know it until I was saying, I was like, why is he reading out loud? 
because they believe that's the way you're supposed to read the word of God was out loud so it could be both heard and understood. So he's reading out loud and Philip goes over there and he hears that guy's reading Isaiah 53. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? Do you know what that's about? Because guys, the eunuch said, how can I understand this unless somebody guides me through it? Somebody instructs me. Go on to the next slide. He urged Philip, come on, sit up in the chariot with me. The passage of scripture he had been reading, get this, guys, talk about no coincidence. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Who is that talking about? Jesus. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can talk about his descendants, his children? Because his life was taken from the earth. If you read on in Isaiah, it says they parted his garments among them and gambled for his cloak. They pierced him. He was given a cursed death. Because cursed is everybody that hangs on a tree. And he was buried in a rich man's tomb. But God wouldn't let him stay there long enough to decay. He got up. Who's this talking about? Jesus. This is all Jesus. And you know what's crazy about this? Is that he, this guy is just reading here. And I love what he says. Because the Ethiopian says, is Isaiah talking about himself? Or is he talking about somebody else? Get it. The Ethiopian traveled 1,600 miles. He wasn't in Jerusalem for the crucifixion. He didn't know all this current history. It's only 60 days earlier Jesus was killed. He didn't know. And so, beginning, look at this. Now, this is where it gets good. Next scripture. Beginning with this same scripture, Isaiah 53, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Well, guys, get it. Put this together because it is spectacular. If you start at Isaiah 53, you will come to Isaiah 56, which is all about eunuchs and God planning for and giving a place to outcast people who have been turned away. And Philip starts right there. See, God set him up. He backs up the unit just a few chapters to get him the cross, the burial, the resurrection. And now look, by the time we get through with 53, 54, and 55, it's, there's a place for you in this. God planned for you in this. Now, I don't know about y'all. I would take it really to heart if I read in the Bible somewhere and God said, this is about you, Joseph. This one's written for you. I made a place for you. Guys, this is such a cool... And unless you know the history of it, unless you understand what's going on here, you don't see how all this is leading up to this eunuch realizing Jesus came after me. Look, by the time you get to Isaiah 53, 11, I mean, it is, it is absolutely clear. My righteous servant, my Messiah, Jesus, will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all their sins. 
Is there any of y'all that could share the story of, of salvation using Isaiah? I could do it. I mean, I'm telling you, you give me those scriptures, I can tell you, this is Jesus, this is Jesus, this is what happened. My servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous because he will bear their sins. All of them. Guys, this is so absolutely tied to this eunuch. By the time you get to Isaiah 56, and they get it, guys, the eunuch starts at 53 with Philip explaining and says, my righteous servant died for all of our sins. And the eunuch is thinking, yes, probably, but everybody but me. I've tried. I've been turned away. I'm not Jewish. I'm not one of the ones. And then you get to Isaiah 56, and the very verbiage of Isaiah 56 is directed at this one guy. Let not the foreigner say, not me. Let not the eunuch say, I'm not included. If you're sitting there in your chariot, and you're thinking, I'm not included. And then God, in a scripture written 400 years earlier, says, don't say I'm not included. This is for you too. It'd be like, holy Moses. This God has my number. This God knows me. And this God planned for me. So guys, look at this. And this is where we get to baptism. God doesn't just say, I'm going to let you in my house. He said, I'm going to give you an everlasting place and you're going to be joyful in my house. So it's no wonder that once they talk through 53, 54, 55, get to 56, look at what it says in Acts. As they run along together, they came to some water. And the eunuch says, there's water. Look, why can't I be baptized? To get the real import of this scripture, guys, get it in Greek. Because the original language is so, so, so stinking cool here. The eunuch says, in the, if you translate it verbatim, look, here is water. Is there an impediment to me being baptized? Is there a barrier left that would keep me from being baptized? Is there a hindrance? To which the implied answer is no. No hindrance left. See, everything that people said was a hindrance. And guys, the reason I'm preaching this is twofold. There's some of y'all sitting here, honest to goodness. Sometime in your history, you tried to get closer to God. And where you should have had acceptance and love and somebody walking you along the path and let's move forward. You got hurt and you got rejection and you got not you. And I'm here to tell you guys, there's no such thing as a not you. And if you're sitting here and you're going, well, pastor, I think I might have committed that unpardonable sin. If you're concerned about it, you haven't. I'm telling you, if you feel God tugging at your heart, Hear your pastor who loves you say, if you were hurt in this way, it was people, not Jesus. It was people, never Jesus. I know there is such thing as church hurt, guys. Believe me. I know what it was to invite and invite and invite my own mom. 
That happened when I was 10. I got saved when I was 13, went to Baptist church. Tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to get her to come to something, you know? No, she was invited out. She was hurt. I became a minister. She was happy for me at a distance because she was so hurt. And I'm telling you, by the time she's in her late 70s, she started coming here to church. And she said about you, that place is different. I wish I'd have found folks, folks like that years and years ago. And you know what? When she fell and broke her hip, Daryl Allen went to see her in the hospital. And the pieces fell into place for her. And she, at 78 years old, asked Jesus into her heart. I'm so grateful, so grateful. Always will be grateful for Daryl. But guys, I'm telling you, I understand experientially because I walked through it with somebody I love dearly. I know that church hurt just sucks. It's awful. And hear me say, I'm sorry it happened to you. I'm really sorry. But it was never Jesus. And I'm telling you, every one of you is an individual. I'm telling you, God planned for you. God wanted you. He picked you. And this morning, if you are not close to him, he is tugging at your heart, pulling you back home. Now, the other problem of this, because we're fixing to have a short altar call, not long. we got baptism, and I understand. But guys, the other problem of this is for those of you that are here and you have a relationship with God, you're safe, you're secure, you know that you're okay, you don't need to get saved today. That's great. God bless you. But you know what? It is incumbent upon us to throw the doors of our heart open, to throw the doors of this church open, to, to experientially live our lives such that there is no kind of people that's not our kind of people. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's included. Everybody not just included, but wanted, prized, valued, because they are a person made in God's image. They're God's people. They're not ours. I can't decide, well, I, I want them, but I don't want them. No. And dear God, turn us into a church that really experientially lives this out in every way. In every way. Reaching across every kind of barrier there is. So would y'all stand up with me just briefly? We're going to take just a second this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes in God's presence together? Guys, if you're here, and honestly, you're not where you need to be with God, but you want to be. And you felt God tugging at your heart. And you're like, God, you don't know what I've walked through. You don't know where I've been. I assure you, he does. And I'm telling you, if you were hurt, it wasn't God did it. So if you're not where you need to be, but you want to be, and you've seen how God makes a place for you specifically, and you say, Pastor, that's me. Would you slip a hand across the stop line connection? I see that. Anybody else? I see that in the back. Anybody else? You just want to get right with God this morning. Anybody else? You just, I, I'm, I'm tired of living outcast, tired of living alienated. Then for the rest of us, guys, come on. I want us to pray together that God create in us 
such a spirit of inclusion, such a spirit of loving people right where they are, a love that will move them forward, not beat them down. Come on, let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, first we pray for those who have a hand lifted. And God, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for tugging at people's heart. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing the work that we could not do. And God, we, we see it as a very significant thing, God, that you would reach out to people, that you would draw people by your spirit. So God, for everyone that raised their hand, Lord, we turn from our own way. We repent and we turn to Jesus this morning. God, we want to be where we need to be with you. So we give you our heart. Father, you know our hurt, so heal it. But God, empower us as we walk forward. And then God, for all of us as a church, Lord God, in Jesus' name, create this kind of spirit within us. Lord God, move in us in such a way that we, because of the love of God, we reach out to everybody. Everybody. Dear God, let it not be said that emotionally or socially we ever make somebody feel on the outside. Give us that kind of spirit, Lord God, of inclusion and love in Jesus' name. And all God's people agree together and say amen. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Troy First Assembly of God. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning if you're in the area. Our address is 432 South Lincoln Drive in Troy, Missouri. Otherwise, you can connect with us on Facebook. The link for our Facebook page can be found below.